You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Teacher's Pet is brought to you by Petco.com. Petco is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high-quality pet-related products. Enter the code TEACHER10, TEACHER, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. <laughs> pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, your host and director of training and behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey. I'd like to welcome a very special guest and friend this week, Dr. Patricia McConnell. Dr. McConnell is an ethologist and certified applied animal behaviorist who received her doctorate in zoology from the University of Wisconsin, researching communication between people and dogs. Also, Dr. McConnell has helped millions of people through public radio's Calling All Pets and Animal Planet's Pet Line. She's the author of over 15 books, and one is better than the next, as well as an internationally acclaimed expert on canine behavior and dog training. So today we're going to be talking to Dr. McConnell about her newly revamped book, her new edition of The Puppy Primer. Um, It's never too early to start training your puppy, and your puppy's behavior is equally as important as its well-being and physical health. And Dr. McConnell, along with Brenda Skidmore, has written the perfect six-week training program to help you and your puppy get off to the right paw. Dr. McConnell will be talking to us about how to humanely and effectively teach your pup the rules of your house and much more. So if you're interested in this topic, which I'm sure you will be, don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Hey, boy, how you doing? What am I doing? I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. No, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity, and friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here. (coughs) Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Attention 
passengers, please fasten your seatbelts, put your seatbacks and sleeping pets in their full upright position, and prepare for takeoff. Pet Life Radio presents Travel Tales, the show where you'll get great travel ideas on perfect places for you and your pet. From Paris to paradise, south of the border to the South Seas, Travel Tales will give you cool tips on fun vacation destinations to travel with your pet, pet-friendly hotels, and advice on how to travel safely and happily with your furry best friends. So, get ready to pack the bags and the bones with your Travel Tales hosts, Susan Sims and Nicholas Veslowski, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Slobani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome today's special guest, Dr. Patricia McConnell, who will be talking us today about training that perfect puppy. Hi, Tricia. How are you? Hi, Pia. Glad to be here. I love this little book. I think it's it's just it's the perfect. All of your books are the perfect size. I find, but this one I think is just so critical for people that if they have gotten a brand new puppy or if they have had puppies before and they would like to really be up to date on the new training methodologies. So I'm really glad that you have updated this edition. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, I bet. I bet. The first thing I think, which we always talk about, the most important thing is good socialization. And when people think about socialization, I think the average person would define that as getting your puppy exposed to things. What's wrong with that definition? Well, you know, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's that's um, a potential for trouble, actually. You know, the road to hell being paved with good intentions sometimes. Mm-hmm. And... and there are a couple of things related to that. One is that, strictly speaking, the socialization actually means being exposed in a positive way to individuals who are going to be social partners of yours. You know, so it's really about live things. <laughs> it's about getting to know people and other dogs, especially, and maybe if you're like me, if you also have cats, you know, getting to know all the animals who are going to be part of your social realm, basically. But the way it's used commonly, it, it, it's been expanded a bit to mean um, being exposed to a varied environment, to the sights and sounds of normal life, to traffic lights and a truck going by and funny things. I have a new puppy, ironically, right now. I have a new puppy, and the first time he saw a stop sign, we are walking down a sidewalk, and he saw a stop sign. It's like a monster. It's a monster stop sign. So... So that's in general what people are talking about is is exposing your puppy to all of the sights and sounds and smells of normal life. The biggest problem that I see, Pia, and I know you see it too, every trainer and behaviorist sees this happen far too often, is that rather than carefully controlled, gradual exposure to new things that takes away fear, people flood their animals with too much and so they'll take a new puppy to a farmer's market where there's 5,000 people and noise and trucks and a crush of people and the puppy's terrified and right. so 
during this, there's a period of time that's often called a critical or a sensitive period of socialization, it's called, usually from about, oh, seven to 14 weeks or so. This is an age where a puppy's brain is, is particularly receptive to learning what's normal. It's actually still, the brain is actually still forming. It's still creating uh, branches between individual neurons, and it's, it's deleting some branches between neurons. It's, it's actually gelling into its adult state. And so an animal needs to be exposed to a varied environment in order to be able to cope with stress later on. But if you do it wrong, if you expose if you overwhelm them with too much, you actually make them worse. You make them more likely to be overstressed or distressed when they're older. So socialization is not throwing a puppy, and I'll use your phrase, in a mosh pit, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the phrase that Pio Silvani has got every trainer in the country using because it's so perfect. Um, <laughs> it's not sort of throwing them to the wolves and taking them to a busy, crowded place where they're terrified or taking them to a puppy socialization class and letting them be terrorized by four huge puppies who are ten times their size who play like boys. Yeah, so, it's, boy, if you and I could spread that word around the country, we could eliminate a lot of behavioral problems down the road, couldn't we? Oh, I, I agree, and and I, li- I like the fact that you brought up the point about puppy class. And we do, we obviously, yes, we do encourage people to bring their puppies to puppy class but I think the critical key factor there are so many trainers out there doing puppy classes and I would say the majority are probably doing a great job but what should owners be looking for before they attend a puppy class you know I would frankly I would not take my puppy to a puppy class until I have been to to a similar class by the same company the same trainer myself. I really wouldn't. I think the most important part of puppy class, if there is a puppy play period, which is what a lot of puppy classes do, which I think can be a wonderful thing or a horrible thing. It's it's really a mixed bag. What I would look for is a is a class in which the instructors are extremely thoughtful about dividing the class into groups, into play groups. For I'll give you an example. I'm my puppy now, 16 weeks old. Um, last weekend, he's right in the middle of a puppy socialization class. There are about 12 puppies in this class, and they are divided into five groups. Fabulous. Seriously, five groups. There is one little tiny cavalier puppy who's just tiny and cautious, and he's by himself. And every and and one at a time, we'll put a little quiet, very quiet other dog in with him to not overwhelm them. And then there's the sort of quiet, slightly shy players, and there's the rowdy boys, you know. So I, I mm-hmm. don't you think, I don't know, do you agree that that's probably the most important thing is that the play groups are thoughtfully managed by people who've really thought about, I shouldn't put Sammy in with Boris, you know, maybe Sammy would be better with, you know, Martha. Is, is that is that oh. your line of thinking? To me, that is so so critical and 
you having herding dogs um, probably realize this too. I have herding dogs and I find that they typically do not do well in a puppy class where there are lots of dogs running and jumping on one another because when we think about what are they bred to do, maintain order, you know, they probably look like out-of-control sheep, all these puppies. (laughs) (laughs) And now they're trying to gather them all up and keep them in an orderly fashion. And I find that some dogs do better one-on-one and they don't do well in group play where some are perfectly fine in group play. But matching their play styles up and I think age also has a lot to do with it. Very close in age is so critical, so critical. And let me just add on to that incredibly important comment you made about play styles because I think that's not... Um, as obvious to some people that, that dogs play profoundly differently. And you're, I absolutely agree about herding dogs. Um, I have border collies usually. They don't like the kind of pile-on wrestle play that Labradors like to do and that no. like bully, bully breeds like to do. It makes them nervous. It makes them uncomfortable. But, you know, there's one other point I wanted to add. Based on the research from Barbara Smuts's lab in Ann Arbor in Michigan, Dr. Smuts has been studying play in domestic dogs for quite a few years now. One of the only only area groups in the country that is studying domestic dog behavior, by the way. And she studies play. And one of the things that's clear from that is that dogs naturally play one-on-one. And you made that point. And I think that's a big part of the potential problem of play groups. Dogs don't naturally play in fives, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They play one-on-one. And if you have a third dog in there, the third dog is usually... Um, sort of the third wheel out. And anyway, so that's just an, another important point to think about is that we know how dogs play naturally and it's not in groups of 10. So if you were to say to people, the person going in there, here are some red flags. Here's something for you to look for to know that your puppy might be in trouble. What would they be? If I went to a class and someone, and there were, say, there were nine puppies in the class and someone said, okay, playtime, everybody let your puppies off leash, frankly. I'd, Run. I'd, I would. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I would turn around. I, would. I know that sounds extreme, but I would turn and walk away. I really <laughs> would. I would not take my puppy there. And another red flag would be, say they do have them in groups, but there's one puppy who's underneath, <laughs> some puppy who's like on top and, and play growling and, you know, that puppy is having a great time and underneath there's another little puppy and they're separated and the underneath puppy tries to run away. That Mm -hmm. means instantly that is not, that is absolutely not acceptable. Now, it's often that you'll look at that and think like, oh, that little puppy on the bottom, he couldn't be having a good time. But if you separate them for two or three seconds and then the little one underneath goes, come on, let's play some more, (laughs) then that's probably okay. But you need trainers who know what to look for. I actually, when I, I owned a training business for 20 years or so, Dog's Best Friend, and and we only let our most experienced trainers do puppy class. And I think that's one of the problems I see around the country is, oh, it's just a puppy class. Yeah. You know, we can have people with not that much knowledge and experience do the puppy class because it's just little puppies. Oh, but I no. Think that's the class that actually takes the most experience. We do the same thing at St. Hubert's. Yep. Our most experienced trainers teach the puppy classes because they're quick to interrupt if they feel that any of the puppies are becoming frightened or traumatized also. Or learning to be a bully. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, yes. And dogs yes. can be bullies. <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> they didn't all watch the Disney movies. <laughs> exactly. Well, another thing, too, that is so common, and, and 
I'm sure when you had your training school, you heard this all the time, play biting. We know it's normal behavior, but of course, so many times owners have been told, you know, take hold of the nose and tell your puppy no bite. And they proudly say they stopped the biting. What's wrong with that comment? Personally, I like to use play biting as an opportunity to teach bite inhibition. Now, I should be the first one to say that there isn't a lot of good research on this. You know, do we really know that if your puppy mouths your arm and you go, like a seal, I like to talk like a seal, or you can say, Mm -hmm. ouch, um, does that teach them how to use their mouth correctly and to teach them to use bite inhibition? There's no good research on that, but it seems to be true. You know, until we know differently, I think it's important for us to absolutely teach puppies that... um, that we are not like the littermates, that, you know, they they can't bite on us like toys, that that's not a good thing. But when they first start doing it, I think it's important for us to let them know that their teeth can cause tremendous injury and that we're not like the little puppy littermates. We don't have fur. We have this absurdly delicate little skin, <laughs> you know. And so, so when they mouth, when my little puppy now, whenever he makes a mistake with his teeth, I call it, I go, ah! And that's a sound that puppies instinctually stop to. Um, and they'll mm-hmm. just stop for a second and back up and look at you like, what? And then that's when you pick up a toy or an object and basically get them interested in that and say, don't bite me, bite this. Is that what you were talking about, about play biting people? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Unless you have a puppy that I have where I did the owl and he's like, and your problem is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what Get did, over so it, what lady. You, We're having fun. <laughs> so what did you do? What did you do when your puppy um, nipped a little too hard and you yelped and he went like, oh, does that mean you're having fun? Shall I do it again? What did you do? Yes, I, I tried different sounds. I thought, let me give a really harsh sound, like a hate to see, because obviously the high pitch seemed to excite him. Right. The low pitch helped but not much because he was absolutely still is a feisty puppy. And what I started doing was I started doing a lot of games, teaching him tug, teaching him to catch a ball and then take it from his mouth. So he started to use his mouth a little more carefully. And I taught him what to place his mouth on instead. Because for whatever reason, yes, as you said, there isn't much research on it. And it's always worked with my other puppies. But this puppy was very different. You know, he was extremely, extremely mouthy. And all of the yelping and the hipping and the and the hay was not working for him. It didn't work. And, you know, I've also seen the yelping be least effective with kids. So that's oh, what yes. in mind. Is that when kids do it for some reason, even with a normal puppy... I think the voices just aren't powerful enough or whatever it is, it just, it could often just get them excited. Um, but I, you know, I love that you brought up that one of the ways you dealt with this is by not so much focusing on what was wrong, but on focusing what you did want him to do. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the underlying themes of the puppy primer, which is that this is your chance to teach your dog what you do want him to do, you know, and it's so much more effective to teach what you do want. So here you taught your puppy, play with this, bite on this, this is what you bite on, and this is how you use your mouth, and this is how we get control over it. One of, one of the games that we have um, in the book is, is, is take it and drop, and I'm, you know, teaching my puppies that right now, too, 
it's such a great way to teach dogs emotional control, which is such a good thing to be teaching them when they're young. Such a great way to teach them, you know, take it and they grab a hold, you go tug, 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 and let them play growl, and you have a good time together, and then you say drop, and I just do it with a piece of food in the other hand, I'll just say drop, move the food right to their nose, and just about every puppy in the world opens their mouth like lightning and takes a piece of food. And so with a lot of puppies, you can teach drop really, really fast. And then you either give them a piece of food, and after a couple of sessions, you just give them the toy back. You put a tug again, that's their reinforcement. And so you've taught them a game. You've taught them a way to exercise them. You've taught them emotional control, or you're teaching them to help learn emotional control. And so there's so much about about using tricks and games with puppies as a way to teach obedience and, 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 and patient, polite behavior, which is, you know, what we want once they're grown up. We want dogs to listen to us. We want them to be polite. And, we, you know, we want them to be fun rather than sort of jerks. <laughs> yes, yes, right. That's right. a scientific term there. That, <laughs> yes, that was a good one. Yes, yeah, I really so. want to like you, but, but <laughs> you're being a jerk right now. So on that note, we're going to take a very short break to hear from our sponsors. So don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Teacher's Pet is brought to you by 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. 1-800-PET-MEDS is your best source for pet medications, vitamins, supplements, and pet supplies. Get great savings, fast service, and free shipping. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash teacher to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take Me Home every week on demand. 
only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. As you know, we're talking to our special guest, Dr. Patricia McConnell, about puppies. Patricia, one thing I love that you brought up in the book, because we never see this in any book, car sickness, and it's so common. So please tell our audience some of the suggestions that you have. You know, you're right. That isn't in any book. (laughs) No. You're you're right, including mine, if I think about it. And, you know, I think maybe it should be sometime in the next version. Um, Yeah, it is so common. You know, there are two things that are really common. One is submissive urination. Um... And the other is being car sick. And the great news about car sickness is it really usually does go away. And and the trick with that, if, as much as you possibly can, is to take your puppy who has not just filled his belly up full of his dinner, but take your puppy on really short rides. I like to even just put him in the car. Just put him in the car. Get him used to being in the crate in the car. Um, hang out with him. You sit in the car and you read a novel or listen to a tape. <laughs> listen to a you know, book on tape. Hang out. Turn the engine on. Drive around the block. Drive somewhere really fun that's really close. Um, very often, as long, if, if you can pull that off, very often they get over car sickness very, very early on. There's some adult dogs who who just continue. They just somehow, for some reason, can't get over it. It often helps if you prevent them from looking at the window. You know, mm. seeing all that stuff go by so fast is apparently part of what sets off car sickness. So you can have them in a covered crate where they can't see out. I had clients who gave their dogs Dramamine. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. After talking to the veterinarian, obviously about it, um, you know that's a possibility. So, so you know, I I have to admit, I had a lot of dogs who were car sick. This little puppy threw up on the way home from <laughs> from where I got him. It was a three hour ride, and he threw up. But um, since then, he's actually been doing really well. We did a bunch of short trips. And he's been fine since. So just like submissive urination, that often goes away too. So for the first month of my puppy's life, um, when people came to meet him, I'd say, stay outside. <laughs> I'll bring him out. <laughs> so when he pees while he's meeting you, he'll either pee on the grass or, you know, maybe your shoe if you're not careful. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> anyway. It's all gone now, as it, as it often is. You should never correct a dog for being car sick or for submissive urination it's completely involuntary you know they just they absolutely cannot good i'm glad you brought that up because i I have heard of many people correcting that and which obviously as we know it can make it worse then so what does one make a happy confident puppy how i mean what does how does a person make a happy confident puppy well, you know, I think there, there are several things that are most important to keep in mind. One is, again, first and foremost, start right now teaching your puppy what you do want it to do. 
You know, don't wait for him to do something wrong to correct him. Teach him that you want him to chew on his toys, not on the table legs. So that means you have lots of toys, and they're out there, and they're always available. So the second he looks at the table leg or starts to chew on it, you can go, uh uh-uh, and get his attention and give him what you wanted to chew on. You can start teaching him to sit when people come to see him right away. You can start teaching him not to jump up on counters, but to sit back up. You know, so use a lot of positive reinforcement to think Rather than waiting for him to do something wrong and say, no, don't do that, stop yourself and think, what do I want him to do? Just like you did. You know, the perfect example is your super mouthy puppy who's mouthing on you. You thought, what do I want him to do? I'm going to put a lot of energy into teaching what I do want him to do. So I think that's hugely important. Knowing how to use positive reinforcement, I think, is another huge key to having the bug that you want. Understanding that when you're first teaching a behavior, you need to get lots of reinforcement. And they define what it is. You know, petting a squeaky little puppy on the top of the head when he comes when you call him, you may not like that. A lot of puppies don't like pat pat on the top of the head. So mm-hmm. you may need to give him a really great food treat or run and let him chase you for a little bit or throw his favorite toy, rub his chest or his belly the way he really, really loves. So you need to to reinforce what you want, understanding that it has to be something that he wants at the time. I basically figure that I use about 95% positive reinforcement and about 5% punishment. And the punishment is never grabbing them or yelling them or rolling them over. It's really simple stuff like showing them a piece of food and saying, oh, I'm sorry, you don't get that because you didn't listen. Right, or right. backing them up a little bit. You know, it's very benevolent kind of stuff. So so I think that's important. Also critical is socializing them, getting them out and about, you know, thinking about what is their life going to be like a year from now. Not getting them as soon as school is out when you're a teacher and staying with them all summer long and never leaving them alone, and then bang, school starts and you're gone all day long. You know, thinking forward, thinking ahead, I think that's really, really important. So one yeah. of the things that come to mind first, doing lots of uh, learning how to play correctly with them, that's another thing that pops up in my brain, Pia. Um, not engaging a lot of rough and tumble wrestle play. So much fun for some people, especially guys, I have to say. Oh, but, I know. <laughs> right? Do you think yes. that, is, is that what you thought? Is it mostly in, it's guys who like to play wrestle play? Oh, my husband does? would live and die for it. And... <laughs> You know, now that he has his son, again, who is Lance's son, he just, and who is is a feisty little guy, you know, he's having a blast with it. And, of course, he does it in a very sneaky way, too. You know, just like, I'm not encouraging him as he's poking and prodding. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you, you probably have the same challenge I do, because in general, in most homes, Getting down on the floor and playing wrestle play with dogs with you know is often not a great idea because the dog may play fine with I don't know you know a guy your husband or you mm-hmm. the adult male but then they try to play with a five year old on the street like that and yeah. all of a sudden you've got trouble so I often advise people don't play wrestle play with their dog they play just Focus on object play as much as you can. And tricks. You know, a lot of dogs didn't read a chapter about balls. I love tricks. That's part of the new part of the puppy timer that I had so much fun with is adding a lot of tricks in there because you can start your puppy 
right away learning tricks. One, they're just fun, you know, and why not have fun? Everybody loves doing them. There isn't that sort of emotional loading of like, you sit because I told you to sit or you have to stay because I'm, you know, I'm in charge here. I'm the human. It's like, so like, yeah, he does it, he does it, he does it. They sort of take the pressure off. Right. It's fun for everybody and they're great mental exercise. Oh, yes. Wonderful way to exercise your dog. I mean, you live in New Jersey where it gets really cold in winter. Don't you find that, that when it's just miserable outside, if you do a 20 minutes of trick training, you've tired your dog out as much as an hour-long walk? Oh, and they they love it. They absolutely love it. They get to figure things out, and and I find too with puppies if they can use their sense, like teaching find it is one of the first things that I teach dogs to, to go search for your ball or search for your frisbee and where's your bone, and they truly enjoy that. So they're not only mentally exhausted, but then they get to find their bone maybe or their toy, and then they can be physically exhausted. So it's it's lots and lots of games where, I mean, and studies have been done on this where it, it does build a bond. People who play with their dogs are a lot closer. It's true. Parents who play with their children have a stronger emotional um, social bond with the kids than parents who don't. And, and there's a quantity effect, so the more you do it, the stronger the bond is. So I don't see why that wouldn't be true with dogs. And I know I mean, a lot of have got dogs to play with, right? <laughs> right. But the trick is that there's, you know, there's some ways to play with dogs that actually create trouble. And there are other ways to play with them that just strengthen your bond, make your dog even more obedient and responsive to you, and just make life so much fun. Definitely. Now, obviously, they don't last. They don't stay in their puppy coat right. forever. Right. <laughs> and now we hit that dastardly juvenile adolescent stage. What are your, some of the recommendations? When does it start? What are some recommendations that you give to clients? There is a doggy adolescent period, as best everybody can tell. Um, and it varies. I've found, Pia, I bet you have too, it varies tremendously depending on the breed and the individual. Mm-hmm. So you can see it as early as like five, six months in some dogs. You can see it as late as 11, 12 months. Very often with a medium-sized dog, it's, you know, maybe you have a lab or a golden, somewhere around seven, eight months or so. Is that what you find? Yeah, I, I would say. Maybe a little younger, um, certainly around five months, they can get a lot more independent. I mean, that's really typical. Is it, there's a lot of puppy clinginess, you know? It's easy to think your dog's trained to come when they're a puppy. Because <laughs> they're right. to follow you around a lot, and they get a little older, and they get a little bolder, and it's like, yeah, you're going that way, but you know, I'm going this way. <laughs> so that could start really early, but this sort of classic independence of, or adolescent kind of independence of, I have, every time you've asked me to sit for the last five months, I have, and now I've never heard that word before. In right. I have no idea what we're talking about. Or I'm going to be on the floor. That's what Willie did. He's a four-year-old now. He had one accident in the house with a puppy. One. And at wow. five and a half, six months of age, I was in the kitchen, and he was looking at me, and he just sort of squatted. And emptied his bladder right in the middle of the kitchen floor. I was just like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, hello? <laughs> I was so upset. I didn't think I said anything at first. Um, but, but it's very typical for adolescent dogs to act just like adolescent humans and act as though they've forgotten everything new. And the best advice I have for everybody is one, repeat, repeat 50 times a day. This do shall pass. This do shall pass. <laughs> and two, you just go backwards. You just go backwards. You know, you just say, oh, don't know how to sit. Well, you know, well, 
let's remind you, this is how you sit, and you get a treat when you sit when I ask you to. And and the trick for me, and this is very personal, because I've had a lot of dogs, and I've gone through a lot of adolescence, and I'm very human, you know? I mean, don't you find sometimes that people think professional dog trainers are like, I don't know, like we don't get into the same challenges and have some of the same responses as other people do. You know, you get this adolescent dog at eight months, like, thumbing you off, and you're like, well, you little jerk. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we're still human, right? That's and, right. Uh, what, what I find for me, and this seems to be advice that works for a lot of people, is is just remember that two things. One, breathe, be very patient. But mm-hmm. if you ask them to do something... Get them to do it. Don't yell at them. Do not do not get angry and give them that kind of energy that adolescent humans love to suck out of you and then bounce back at you. Do not give them energy. If you ask them to come or to sit, do not do not end until that has happened. If you have to ask them to sit for fifteen minutes, that's okay. End with a sit. And again, patient polite and very you know that attitude with human I used to work with adolescents by the way when I was in another world I used to work in social services with adolescents oh okay and basically the game was was it was very dispassionate it's like you have some choices here I don't really care which one you take but 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 this is what happened there are consequences so if you do A this is what happens if you do B that's what happens good luck making a good choice you know, if you come home mm-hmm. late after we said you had to bring the car back, then you don't get to use the car for a month. Whatever. And then if they do that, you're not angry. You're just like, no, too bad. That's the choice you made. Don't get to use the car for a month. So that's what I do with adolescents. And, and I might use some of that negative punishment I talked about. It's like, mm-hmm. I have to sit and you didn't. See, this just smell that's just full of chicken that I have. Oh, now that you smelled it, oh, too bad. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to eat it myself. Yes, yes. But maybe if you do it right next time, you'll get some. <laughs> do you right. that? I find it incredibly effective and very satisfying. My saying always is, I have all day. <laughs> because <laughs> I like that. I don't care. I will stay here till midnight, but I will win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you do the same thing, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to give up because we know they have that look. Sort of they, they, they give you that look. As if to say, hmm, let's see where this where this gets me. It's like, okay, let's see where it gets you. <laughs> right, right. And it's sort of, you know, unless you're late and leaving for a critical meeting, right? Right. It's sort of funny. It's sort of cute. Oh. You know, they get that little look in their eye, and you can just see their brain blurring, right? There's practically smoke coming out. It's like out. They, get, they get mad, too, because they're not getting a rise out of you also. And yeah. I think that's so important that you brought that up. It's like, I will not ever show you how ticked off I might be right now because you're not listening. <laughs> no, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I guess we're both mentioning it. I, I think that's one of the mythologies is that if you have a good dog or if you know how to train dogs, you'll never get irritated at your dog. And I, I wish that's something I wish that was actually mentioned in puppy classes more and in dog training classes. It's like we all need to know what to do when you're feeling a, a tad tweaked. Right, right. <laughs> um, I actually wrote a column once for Bark Magazine. It's like here's the things to do. One, breathe deeply, you know, to mm-hmm. start laughing, just just make it funny because it often is hysterically funny if you can just sort of put yourself away a little bit. If I'm really furious at a dog, I will say something like, with the sweetest voice imaginable. When well, if you're too furious, you can't do this. But if I'm 
if I'm irritated at a dog, and they really, I believe they have the foundation to have made a different choice. And again, mm-hmm. we have to be sure that they really knew what we wanted, which is often not the case. But, it, but, but if I'm 110% sure a dog knows what I'm asking for and is giving me that look, um, I'll say something like, oh, sweetie, I hate every hair on your body. <laughs> and, and you have so many of them. <laughs> you know, I could drive you to the shelter right now. <laughs> it is really important to keep your voice kind and benevolent. So if you're too angry, you can't do this. You might not right. want to do it. <laughs> oh, this but is I have to fun. admit, a few times I have sweated. <laughs> yes. But, you know, but it helps me maintain because I don't want to get, I mean, I think even the nicest people have confessed to me over the years that they've hit their dog or they've screamed at their dog and they've done things they felt badly for. You know, years and years ago, you know, I, I, I got angry at a dog. I was exhausted and stressed and he was literally hanging on to one of my sheep and, you know, I grabbed him and I yelled at him and and I'm so angry and I felt guilty ever since. You know, I, I didn't know. hurt him, but I still felt guilty. But we didn't want to feel like that. So I think it's useful to acknowledge everybody can get a dad irritated at their dog and have a plan about how to deal with sort of an anger management plan. Yes, yes. Of how to deal with it. You know, I think it's a realistic thing for us all to talk about and not pretend that never happens. Absolutely. Well, it's a fabulous book and I truly, I highly recommend it. Again, it would also make a great gift if you know if somebody's getting a puppy too. You definitely will not be disappointed. So please check it out on Dr. McConnell's website. But unfortunately, we're out of time. So I'd like to thank our wonderful Dr. McConnell for joining us. And I have to admit, I always enjoy interviewing you and talking to you because I know our thinking is so much alike in so many ways. So thank you so much for joining us. Always my pleasure, Pia. It's always a joy to talk with you. Great. A special thanks also to our producers, of course, for making this show happen. Also, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas for future shows, or if you'd like me to interview anybody in particular, I'd be happy to do that. Just email me at Pia at PetLifeRadio.com. So until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thank you, Tricia, and thank you for your interest in Pet Life Radio. Bye. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.